Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code TSFS. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I I say, look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're ready, Natasha. I was going to... I love that you have a co-host today. She looks so cute. I know. Do you want to know? We actually have matching hoodies. I have the same one. It's ridiculous. I'm that person. Oh, my God. How is your boxer doing? By the way, this is um, Natasha's dog. If you guys want to see the video, you just need to go to Ms. Pink Monster on YouTube and yes. watch the video. What's it, Wait, what's her name? Oh. I always forget. Oh, I know. June. June. This is June. Junie B. Jones is her full name, but... Junie B. Jones. She's always all over me. Oh. So I was telling you, like, our heat is out. Our furnace gave out last night. So I have space heaters everywhere. I bundled the kids in, like, footy pajamas and blankets. And this one had to sleep under the covers right on top of me. Oh if I ever God. get a man, it's going to be a problem. I don't know where he's going to sleep. Wow. She's a really attached dog. Yeah, I know, which is unusual for such a big dog. But she thinks she's a lap dog. Yeah. All right, you can go now. She's... <laughs> Okay, maybe she needs a friend. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God, and, no. and, Yeah, right. You're like, no, I can't. No, not two dogs. Um, All right, so, like, welcome back, right? We were gone for two weeks. We took two weeks off. People were wondering. They were like, where's Natasha? What are we doing? 
When are you guys I know I loved back? that um that comment you posted on your Instagram stories. Like, are you guys coming back? It's like, yay! Do you want us to come back? <laughs> yes. Oh, you guys are missing us. We like that. I'll um, take that. So I thought today we we kind of would talk about two things that sort of we were thinking about over the break. One being. You know, it's interesting, and I'm really curious because I've been following it and then feel like there's such a connection between this whole Prince Harry talking about all the royal family and, you know, because they are a business, right, going into, um, you know, all the details about the business of the royal family and how it's spilled over and there's really not a family anymore because it's driven by the business and how toxic the business is. So we wanted to talk about that, like how the Prince Harry story correlates to you and I telling our stories about Peter, a.k.a. Kane, mm-hmm. and, you know, toxic work environments. And then... You know, the other thing is you have a story about, it was like a mom story, right? I don't know where Oh my gosh, I got in a total mom fight and I dying to know your advice and everybody's advice about how do you handle it when, when to step in when your kid is, another kid's being mean to your kid. Oh my God. Natasha, I want to hear this. JJ gets older. Okay, I know. I want to hear this because I am so not prepared. In fact, because I think I'm looking, I'm I'm so not looking forward to a confrontation with a parent so much. Like I'm almost a little removed, even from his little daycare. And they, oh. and actually, I have a I have a parent dilemma too. I want to run by you. Let's let's start with our parent dilemmas, and then okay, and then get into it. So I let's hear your story because this is a fear of mine. I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to do when I? It's bad. It's bad. So, you know, Sam and Sophie are 12 and 14, almost 13 and 15, which is insane in and of itself. So, you know, and they're girls. So they have teenage girl drama with their friends. And I try not to get involved. One, because they would be so embarrassed and mortified if I ever said something like to the other child or to another parent, they would murder me and also because you know they need to learn how to deal with this stuff on their own because in the real world mom's not well mom is going to be there to fight their battles still but still they they should probably learn how to handle it in real life and when you're then when you become 24 and your mom's like involved that's kind of getting socially not acceptable it's like you know what i mean they do have to yes they need your guidance they need you right there now but then at some point right we, they, we want them to be beautiful birds that fly on their own and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to navigate and they got to have a voice of their own and advocate for themselves so it's it is a hard exactly. fine line right okay keep exactly. going exactly so i try to stay out of it and then what i do is behind the scenes i Because they come to me and tell me all about the girl fights. You know, this girl said this and this drama happened with this boy. And can you hear the dog? She is she has the zoomies. She's going insane with a squeaky toy. But so you're squeaking. I didn't. That's it. Okay. All right. Good. It's a good microphone. Um, So I try to like tell them be compassionate human beings, be empathetic, try to think about the other person's perspective and apologize when necessary. But also don't, you know, stand up for yourself. Don't let anybody run all over you. So that's usually how it works. And then they handle it on their own. However, this last weekend, and I'm not going to say which girl it is, because if she happens to listen to this, maybe she'll kill me a little less for talking about it if I don't say her name. But she had drama with a friend and she came upstairs hysterical in tears. And, you know, when your kid's crying, it's just like, You want to jump into action hysterical because this girl was just being awful over text. She said that, you know, my daughter 
called her a bitch at school, which I can tell you this child in particular is terrified to break rules. Like she won't even say stupid or shut up because I don't like those words, much less actually curse. She would never, ever do it. That that I'm sure of. She's no angel, but I know that didn't happen. So this girl's spreading rumors saying that that she did this and she told her in the text, like, she was so dramatic. She goes, you have caused me 365 days of pain. It's like, what? Okay, this is so teen drama. 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 Okay, yes. please, please, please. So that's like over the top drama. But then, you know, she kept going and my girl apologized. She's like, I promise I didn't say that, but I'm sorry it hurt you. You know, everything she's supposed to. And in real time, she's showing me the text and I'm guiding her on how to respond to, you know, de-escalate the situation. This other girl wasn't having it. She just kept going and she was telling her how all the other kids in their friend group hate her, how they cry themselves to sleep at night because they can't take how awful she is. So it wasn't just about the one, but then when she was trying to isolate her on top of it from the rest of their friends, I was like, enough, enough. So this is where I'm not sure if I made a mistake. The moms of this group, <laughs> I'm laughing, right? The moms of this friend group and I are on a group text because we organize, you know, sleepovers and get togethers with the girls because they're always hanging out. So one of the moms had asked um, if we wanted to have a sleepover and I hadn't answered yet. So I got on the group text and I was like, I don't think the sleepover is a good idea because this child um, is is absolutely tormenting my daughter. And I think they need some space. Probably should have just addressed it one on one with the other mom. But I was fuming at that point. I was like full mama bear mode because this girl was just being being awful. Um and the other mom responded and she was like very hands off and like laissez faire about the whole thing. She's like, you know, I don't get involved. I leave them to decide which friends they're going to be with and how they're going to handle their friendships. And I was like, well, this is on the verge of bullying and perhaps our differing perspectives on what is an acceptable behavior from our children is why our daughters have different perspectives on what is and is not wait, wait, okay wait. Are behavior. You saying, are you saying all this over the group? Like, yeah, are, I said this on the group oh, text. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I said all this to the other mom. And she came back and said that my daughter called the other girl a bitch in the group text. She put this out there. So I took that as like, okay, gloves are off. If you're going to call her out specifically, I'm letting it all out there. So I listed <laughs> off all the things that her daughter has done to mine over the last year. Because this has been going on all school year. And we're still she on can, group. We're still on group text. We're still on group. I mean, this kid has even teased mine about her not having a dad. Once she went, Bestie mm. doesn't even have a dad. And like laughed it off. So just like cruelty. Um, so, I, yeah, I let it all out in there. And um, and then the other mom, she just goes, um, due to the tone of these comments, I don't believe there's anything more I can do. And she left the group chat. Um, I know. And, of course, I didn't let it go there. <laughs> oh, you, so then I texted her one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> Keep going, so Nagcat. Okay. Sarah, I could not. Because then she, I'm like, you're just blowing it off. I've made you aware of all these awful things your kid has done and you're just blowing it off. So I texted her one-on-one -on -one and said, um, I was like, you know, 
I think that saying you're just going to do the tone, you're not going to do anything is a cop out. And if you don't do anything with your daughter, now that I've made you aware of specifically what she's done, nothing is going to be learned from this and nothing will change. And she never responded. I haven't heard from her since. Oh, my God. I love everyone listening to this can so relate on so many levels. Um, It was I never should have done it on the group chat. I did apologize to the other two moms. It's like, I'm so sorry. Um, And they they both wrote back nice messages, you know, so I, I don't think they're mad at me. I hope I'm not kicked out of the mom group now. But oh, my gosh, I don't know. What would you do? <laughs> Um, okay, well, here's my two cents. And I love I want people to weigh in because I'm curious because maybe people agree with you. I, look, I found this. I never do anything over text. I call people. I just don't. I don't do it over. Oh, that's mature of you. I, I, I don't want to. I But I've learned this the hard way. And actually, I've learned this at Fox 5. Like, um, and a, I think a manager actually there told me about this because I, I would avoid... I would avoid any sort of conflict or whatever or like disagreement. So I would send it in an email. And I had one of my bosses say to me, I think they came and found me and I like at my cubicle, I was like sweating, I'm sure. But he was basically like, can I just give you a piece of work advice? And I was like, sure. He's like, don't, you know, anything that's important to you or like makes you feel a little uncomfortable, but you care about, he's like, don't, don't write it in a text. Don't write it in an email. Come and talk to the person Um, because everybody just thinks that you're more mature doing that you're better communicating the te- the context gets lost over text and look i i yeah i mean yeah i think you should have called her it's but i no I've that's good there. advice i'm like shrinking even more now no don't don't there's no there are no mistakes ever in life because you just learn from them and you just get better don't beat yourself up i have just found and I hate talking to people, but at the end of the day, I find like if you talk to people, there's there's always a resolution. Like I bet, you know, I'm sure yeah. she really values your friendship. She sounds completely conflict avoidant. She doesn't want to get like she – so I think if you'd called her, she probably would have backed down and she would have been like, yeah, maybe we should talk to our daughters together. I mean her daughters probably is a bully because the mom's not, you know, giving her any guidance, right? So I'm sure the daughter has done all these things to your daughter. And the girl might be just an awful little kid anyway, and your daughter wants nothing to do with her, right? That might be the the resolution. And the mom might be that way too. But I do find, I hate it. I hate calling people. But I find that when I do it, I actually, this sounds weird, but I actually end up getting what I want out of it more. And, and I mean that mm-hmm. in the way of like, I get a better resolution. That makes total sense because you're able to, you know, text is so subjective. You can't tell the other person's tone or innuendo. You take things wrong. And honestly, I I probably didn't call because maybe deep down I didn't want a resolution. I was just pissed off and wanted to. I can't Vent. attack the other kid, so I can attack her mom. And I probably wanted to shame her a little that I did it on a group text. Um, so yeah, and, and nothing good came from it. I, you know, it's been completely awkward since then, but if I had called her, we probably could have hashed it out like mature, responsible adults. You should still call her. Still try calling no. her. No, <laughs> I'm just too mad. <laughs> well, let yourself calm down. I do that too. Do you, have you learned this over the years too? I try to give things a day. Like I, I some yeah. things you have to address immediately, especially if like anybody's in danger. There's some, but like I find like things like that. Sometimes I'm like, give it a day. Let's all like sleep it off and see how we feel the next day. 
Do you do that? or? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I didn't do it in this situation, but that's some of the best advice I got, um, actually, in an AA meeting when I was in recovery, was I remember a guy telling me or sharing in a meeting, when you get a text or an email that just, like, makes your blood boil, like, it really affects you on a deep level, don't respond. Even if it's just 10 minutes, just, like, take a beat before you before you respond. And that's actually come in really handy in dealing with exes, like, you know, my ex and I now, when something, you know, is really pissing me off or I feel really defensive, I just wait, wait a day because, you know, the earth isn't going to end if you don't respond right in that minute. So I didn't take that advice this time, but that's actually advice that I usually try to follow. But man, mess with my kid and it just brings out this insane side of me. No, I think we all feel that way, right? And that's something I'm not looking forward to because we know all of our kids at some point are going to be on the outs. You know, they're not going to be in the in crowd. They're not going to be, they're not going to fit in in every situation. They're not going to succeed in every, and it's like, oh, it's so hard to, yeah, to not get in there and want to like yell at all the other children and their parents. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is. It's so hard. It's so hard to know when to get involved, when not to get involved and I mean, the one thing I guess I've learned about parenting is I'm probably not going to make any huge mistakes that they end up in therapy over later on as adults. And I am I have the best intentions and I'm making the best decisions I can as they come. And that that's going to have to be good enough. And it probably will be good enough as long as I take the time to listen to my kids when they come to me. And um and, and course correct, you know, when you get it wrong, because you're going to get it wrong. Totally. But, totally. oh, did, my gosh, parenting your... is so much harder as with teenagers than it is with toddlers. Oh, Let God. me tell you. I know. I'm not I'm not excited. Um, what did your mom do when you were in high school? Like, was your mom hands off? Was she hands on? What, did, what happened? I mean, she was – my mom's advice anytime I told – I even was talking to her this morning about this and, and telling her about the whole thing. And <laughs> – The advice she always gave me when I told her about Mean Girls, I remember because I told you once I was like really hairy in high school. I was this little Latina, (laughs) you know, tween with all these white girls. And I remember the girls would make fun of me for that and be like, I'm going to bring you a razor to school tomorrow. And I would go to my mom and tell her and be like crying. And she would always say the same thing. They're just jealous. They're just jealous because you're prettier than they are. (laughs) mom that's not helping me no advice on like how to cope or what to do it was just always they're jealous she still says the same thing to the girls (laughs) I feel like my mom would probably say that too oh my god what did your mom do when you had mean girls well okay I'm trying to think let's see um well you know, I used to talk shit about this girl um, on the bus and then she confronted me once and like shoved me and the whole school was watching and was going to have a fight. But I mean, that was my own fault. Like I do talk shit. So I mean, I, that was, I was like, oh, this is really embarrassing because she could have totally kicked my ass. So that was a good lesson. And you better not talk shit about people you don't think you can beat up because you can't, <laughs> you can't. And I can't beat up anybody. So... Uh, My mom didn't get, my mom was like, that's your own damn fault. Why are you talking shit about this girl on the bus? Like, you know, so that, but I think the only part, one time I was on a basketball team and I dated the basketball coach's son and then I broke up with him and he benched me for the entire season. And I, you know, 
in hindsight, I wish, and I think I was like 17. I, yeah, yeah, it was because I was a junior in high school. I wish my mom had made me or gone with me to talk to the coach because I was going to quit, right? But my mom went to him and she was like, hey, obviously you're showing favoritism because, you know, Sarah and, and your son broke up. And, and like that, I think, I, I think it was a cop out. Like she should have, I should have gone with her. Really? To well, I think yeah, because I you know it would have been a good life lesson. Sets you up for conflict avoidance. Then it's like, oh well, you you know somebody else say it, you say it, you know. And I should have just and I mean, what was he going to say? He wasn't going to say, oh no, you know. He, he said exactly. He would have said to me probably what he sa- would have said to my mom, which was, no, mm-hmm. no, you know. And I mean, he's right. Like I wasn't a very good basketball player, so he probably would have been like, she's not that good, you know. But. I think it would have been good to do it myself, you know? But again, your girls are a little younger. I mean, I was 17 heading to eight. Like, to me, 17 is a good cutoff. Like, okay, guys, we got to start. You got you got your driver's license now. Y'all got to start getting out there and, you know, speaking up for what you want. But, um, no, the hardest part, I, when I was little, I was fat. And so I was I was bullied. And, and my mom said it was awful. Like, I would come home and cry. Like, these other girls were mean to me about my weight. She said it was really bad. And I did get away from those girls, and I never looked back. And, like, the, and I think they did reach out over time to sort of apologize. And it was weird. I never – Really? Yeah, I never accepted the apology. Which was kind of lame, but I don't know. I guess I just thought – I don't know. I had no connection with them. So I never – that's not very I'm surprised healthy. they reached out after years later. They must have been really awful. They were, they were twins. and we, Oh, my gosh. And it was kind of like the three of us. So it was always sort of two against one, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was just a bad dynamic. But uh, so I don't know. It's hard. It's it's hard. Yeah, in high school, when I the couple times I was bullied, it was my own fault. And then <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> So I – but <laughs> – yeah, I do think it's important. You know, th- yeah, I think you handled it. You know, you handled it the best way you could. And so you never know. There might be a chance to right the wrong. Or maybe this girl's just really mean. And maybe the resolution is your daughter shouldn't hang Honestly, out with her Honestly, I'm knows? okay with them just staying there separate ways. But it's hard because they're all in the same little clique. So yeah. I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm so lucky that like with Sam, she's she's very she hates girl drama, so she's very independent. She knows who she is and she kind of has the attitude of if you like me, you'll be friends with me and if you don't like me, then you won't be friends with me and that's fine cuz I am who I am. Um whereas, you know, with Sophie, it's she wants to be with the in crowd and she wants everybody to like her. And, oh, and it's a hard it, spot to be ugh, in. It's I know. It's tough. It's tough. I feel like she's like, this isn't going to be the last time. It's it's going to be a tough road for her with um, friend dynamics and wanting to be cool and wanting to be popular. Oh, well, I'm with, I'm with Soph. I like that too. I've always... <laughs> I've always been like, but that's, I mean, want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right. (laughs) 
You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it up into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Ten years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you. How ironic! I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I I feel like I'm going to have to get a caller driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani podcast. Enjoy. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their Conception for Her and Conception for Him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for Her Fertility Aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. 
You're going to love it. And I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code FRASER20. That's F-R-A-S-E-R, the numbers two, zero. All right, she's back. You guys all know her by now. Uh, Dana Witten, we're talking about our favorite family law attorney in Maryland. Like, I love how that's like a celebration now because so many women have reached out to Natasha and me and they're like, I'm hiring Dana. I've called Dana. Like, Dana has a plan. So for people who don't know, we'll just set it back up. Nat and I will. Uh, Dana Witten is just what I said is a lawyer, family law attorney, which means you handle divorce, custody, alimony in Maryland and Virginia, coming soon in, in D.C. Yes. Her website is dwittenlaw.com. You can reach out to her there. She's continuing to do a special, an hour-long consultation for just $150, best $150 you could spend because you can ask her everything you want in that time and then figure out if you two are the right match. So reach out to her at dwittenlaw.com. And you're also on Instagram. What is your Instagram so people can follow you? Because you give good tips there. It's conveniently also at D Wittenlaw, D-W-H-I-T-T-E-N-L-A-W. Okay, love it. Um, Look, we wanted to have you on today because as you informed us, January is usually the month that most people file for divorce. They've gotten through the holidays. They thought, oh, I'll do one last holiday and be in misery with my kids. And then that's it. I am like, (laughs) I'm out of here. So you're going to tell us some success stories because I think that's important for our listeners to hear. You know, to hear Absolutely. like life can be better post-divorce because Natasha has been so honest about her divorce and, you know, getting through it. And Natasha, was it worth it? Like hey. you're on the other side of it now, Natasha. Do you feel better? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I was going to say not everybody's divorce has to be as heinous as mine. And the one of the most important decisions you'll make in like in your life, if you end up getting divorced is who your attorney is. I cannot stress that enough. Um, so to find somebody like Dana that you can trust that, you know, as your back and is going to be smart and knows how to deal with certain pain in the butt exes, that personality type, man, ladies, best money that you could spend. So I look, I, I love it. Dana, Tell us a success story. Tell us about a woman who, you know, just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel and how you helped. Sure. Um, Okay. So we're going to, I, just so everyone knows, I have pre-approval from these clients to tell their stories, although I have um, changed their names for purposes of anonymity. Um, So uh, Sue, I met with Sue um, in March uh, of a year that I won't need to disclose, uh, but it was in March and, um, she had been married for 20 years. Um, and she had been emotionally abused for about 19 and a half of them. Um, her husband had allegedly hit their family schnauzer, um, on a fairly regular basis. Um, and Sue had told me that, you know, she had always known that her husband was difficult, but then it wasn't until year 10 when they got the schnauzer, um, that, and he started abusing their dog, um, that she realized, wow, that could be me. Um, but her husband was smart enough not to ever lay a hand on her. Um, so instead there was just this emotional abuse. Um, and it was, the yelling was so bad that we had her neighbor come in and testify that she could hear from her, uh, 
townhouse next door, she could hear him berating her. Um, and it was about how she had cooked the hamburgers and she was taking too long. And meanwhile, she had like a newborn baby, the, their second child. And he was just berating her about how long she had taken. Um, the neighbor also came and testified about how she and Sue were playing with their children in, the, in their front yard of the townhome and husband, um, Sue's husband comes home. And I guess he had an oil slick on the bottom of his shoe. And he walked past Sue and the neighbor and their children, just walked past, walked right into the home and was treading, his his shoe was treading the, the oil slick or whatever, the dirt, whatever it was. And so neighbor testified that he took a couple steps into the house and he turned around and he looked down and he realized he was making a mess. And he said, this is what the neighbor said, Sue, some, it looks like somebody's going to have to clean that up. And he turned on his heel and walked away. <laughs> so wow. that someone was Sue. Right. So um, he also told her he was the one that told her, she, you're never going to get custody of our kids. You don't have a job. You don't have money. Um, mm -hmm. Who would give you custody of the kids? Even though she had been their primary caregiver, their, both of them their whole lives. Wow. So Sue waited um, until her oldest was... Um, in college. Yes. In college was college aged. Um, and so she met with me in, in March and, um, she decided it was time to leave. Um, and we had a grueling five day trial. Um, and it, we ultimately resolved custody because there was only one minor child at this point who was like 15 or 16. So those children tend to choose custody with their feet. Um, and so, Instead, five days was discussing um, their assets and whether Sue should have alimony or not. Um, and he thought that she should that she his his allegation was that Sue had emotionally left the marriage at year 12. So out of a 20 year marriage. So therefore, Sue should only have he came up with a percentage 70% of like his retirement assets. And he had like, oh, you know, over a million dollars of just like of just um, different types of retirement vehicles and um, he had a pension plan and stuff like that. But he is. His, wait, wait, wait. He wanted his, Sue to have 70 percent or he wanted no. himself. He wanted yeah, himself to he, have 70%. He gets. I'm sorry. He gets 70 no, percent. Sue gets 30. He, he said that she didn't deserve to have alimony for the entire length of the marriage, but only up until the point where she emotionally left the marriage. Yeah, correct. Wow. I mean, I guess that's a clever argument. I mean, it's not <laughs> it's not a viable one, but it's a it was a clever argument. Um, and, you know, she so much had, had admitted that, you know, I, I, she's like, I guess I emotionally left the marriage, but she still performed her tasks, her duties, because I think at year 12, that's when she said, I'm not really happy. I think we should think about divorce. And then that's what he said. You're never going to get custody. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, he did everything he promised, by the way, ladies, like he was like, I'm going to drag you through, you know, drag you through the court system. I'm going to make you, you know, regret it and all this stuff. But Sue stay, stayed strong. Sue, Sue had a great therapist. Sue had me. Sue is also the case that I had talked about in the earlier podcast, an earlier podcast, um, where I said that, you know, the other attorney would file these motions after motions after motions. And normally I would automatically share them with my client. Um, but Sue and I reached a, reached a deal, which was that I would hold on to the, to the motion. 
um, until it was time for me to file a response because a lot of the times they were bogus. Um, and so I would then, so that she should she could have the complete picture, I'd file, I would email her the motion and my response together. And she actually had told me that every time she would read the, mo the motion first, which she has to, right? The motion, you read it first and then my response. She said she would get a pit in her stomach, but then she'd read my reply and feel like a lot better. So that's how we um that's how like our relationship uh kind of operated and you know i was able to shield her from a lot of things like i said uh in an earlier podcast like i didn't always tell her what the uh, you know um, what, what was being alleged because it's just kind of on a need to know basis and it was it was for the benefit of like her mental health and so we had talked about is that talked um, about is that the as well. conclusion of this story that you buried this asshole i mean what <laughs> we did we did we got oh we got sue we got sue alimony gosh and what was helpful for yes. sue and it was a long five days it was the longest five days of my life and <laughs> it's not even my life you know but it, it was it was a it was a long five days and you know it was at least cathartic for her to be able to say without him belittling her without him telling her that she's wrong or gaslighting her but her for her to be able to take the stand and say the things that happened to her from her perspective and to have her friend come and like support her and to corroborate all of the allegations made the friend didn't see the dog thing and that's still you know that was never proven but and sue um was the was my client that you know, she said at the end of this, just all I want is a divorce. That's all I want. She's like, if I could have, you know, if you could get me support and stuff like that'd be great. But um, I just uh, yeah, I want the hell away from this man. So you ended up getting her her hard earned some of that yes. pension, some of that retirement. Mm -hmm. She good. Yes. So Sue got some good. Yes. Oh, my and God. Sue's doing very well. I, Sue's doing very well. We okay. talked over Christmas. Yes. What's the really so happy about that is that sue got to leave with some of her emotional sanity like the way that you protected her from all of those inundating emails i used to give you the exact same way like horrible anxiety every time a lawyer email would roll in ladies not all lawyers do that you're the first person i've ever heard of that protects their clients emotional sanity too isn't just about getting them money or divorce but making the process easier for you invaluable. I love that. Thank you. Dana, <laughs> what, what can you share about Sue's life now? Has she gone on to meet another guy? Does Did the ex-husband leave her alone? Um, is she enjoying that retirement and hopefully went to Aruba and gambled and said, fuck <laughs> you? To, to, like, what did she do? <laughs> um, Sue said she's just enjoying having a quiet life because a lot of, uh, for 20 years, you know, it was controlled. Oh by the emotions of, you know, her husband and whether he was going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. And so she and the kids are just feeling a, a huge sense of relief. Um, yeah, they're enjoying quiet life. Um, she got her own home and she decorated it. And actually my, there's a uh, consignment website. And so I sent it to her. I got it from my mother, actually. And so I sent it to Sue. And so Sue was like, that website's great. And that's where I got a lot of my furniture. It's like discounted stuff. And I guess I can give Sarah that website. Yes, yeah, say it. So you can, you can I, don't even, I don't have it off the top oh, of my oh. head. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. We'll we'll find out. Because I'm like, oh, I want to look at discounted furniture. <laughs> Sounds good. But I'm I think this is an important thing. You asked me if Sue had like moved on. So here's the thing about when, when women want to leave marriages versus like men. Okay. And this is just what I've seen is that women leave marriages because they want to be alone, right? We've had enough. 
men leave men are the ones that leave marriages for another woman you know <laughs> and that's why they gaslight the, the woman who just wants out into thinking that he's like, well, there's got to be somebody else. It can't possibly be my fault. You know? Yes, because oh they God. think that way. Wow. Correct. Yeah, that's how men are. Men leave marriages for other women. Women leave because they want to be left alone. I mean, nine times out of ten, of course, there's every there's an exception to every rule. But that's just pretty much what I've seen. And the women, the women are like, that's it. <laughs> enough is enough. Wow. Okay, Natasha, do you have any, like, does this bring up anything for you? I mean, Dana, that story, like, I oh. I want to hug Sue. Like, I could cry. I mean, just to mentally, you know, stick with it for the sake of your children. Like, she deserves yes. so much credit as a woman. Like, that is what moms do. Like, I give her so, because oh, what a royal fucking asshole. And we all know, I mean, honest <laughs> to God, I hate men like that. You know, ugh, yeah. may karma get him. Oh my gosh. It just, it brings up so much. It brings up like so many emotions of, I can't imagine. St I stuck it out for eight years in that type of marriage. I can't imagine 20 like that. I think that would have killed me, just put me over the edge. But you know what I love about this? And like, I want women to remember, cause it's, it's scary going into a divorce, especially if it's your first, you have no idea what to expect. You have this man telling you he's going to take your kids. You're not going to get any money. You're not good enough. You're nothing without him. It is one of the scariest things you'll probably ever go through in your life. But what I love about this story is how now I'm picturing Sue in her house that her name is on the deed. That is her home. Nobody can take it from her. She can decorate it how she wants. And even though going into that divorce experience is, it's hard to actually pick up the phone and call the lawyer because it's terrifying. But just picture yourself where Sue is now on the other side, independent, in control, and finally at peace and happy. Man, like, oh, I love this story. The story put a huge smile on my face because I can relate. And also because I just love that she made it out the other side so brilliantly. All right, uh, Dana, look, I mean, this is the the brilliance of what you do, but I think January is always a fresh start for people. And if this story resonated with you and, you know, you're ready to move on, you're ready to even just get your house in order, because like Dana has shared, there's a lot of steps before you actually file, maybe even before you actually sit down with your spouse and say, we're no longer. Um, dwittenlaw.com. Dana, um, one more time, your Instagram is dwittenlaw as well, right? So people can yes. follow you, find you, and contact contact you either way there. Um, yes. But it's a new year and it's, you know, make it, don't go one more day. With, you know, I mean, you, you know, Sue had a choice. Like, that's a hard one. Not everybody's in her position. Maybe it's not that bad, but it's not that good. And it's... But Sue also didn't have me telling her that that wasn't true. She just had her husband telling her how it was going to be. Oh, good right. point. Yes, that's right. You know, you don't have to listen to your man. That's right. <laughs> damn it. Or your woman. You're right. Call you and ask them. My spouse is saying this crap to me. Is this even true? You're right. Oh, my God. Okay, look at me. I'm like listening to this guy. I don't know him. Oh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If Sue's story resonated with you, um, you need to call Dana. dwittenlaw.com is her website. You can follow her on Instagram at dwittenlaw. But Dana, the other thing that you've got coming up is this very important webinar. We're, Natasha and I are excited about this. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Divorce in Maryland, February 16th. It's free. 
You can sign up at dwittenlaw.com. Tell us what people are going to learn in this webinar. You're going to learn all about how to step into Sue's, Sue's shoes and <laughs> claim your own life and divorce claim it. and get yourself out of whatever horrible situation that you're in now um, to give yourself the freedom that Sue now has. Oh my God. All right. dwittenlaw.com is the website. You can also, Dana does a lot of great information on her Instagram. dwitten at dwittenlaw. Follow there. And it's the ultimate guide to divorce in Maryland, February 16th. All right, Dana, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. I, that's kind of my personality. Soph probably has that personality too, like an outgoing. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're a likable person, people do like you. I mean, but you're never going to be it to everybody. You know, that's what you have to learn. And I've definitely been on the, like when I went to college, you know, I never really fit in at college because I was, I always wanted to be like on TV or a radio DJ and everybody there was smart. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it didn't really, it wasn't like I was not in the in crowd, but I just wasn't, it didn't click, you know? So you kind of have to get used to that too. Yeah. I was never with the popular girls and I don't think I really wanted to be. Like I just, I think I was intimidated by them. And then by college, I was in a sorority and stuff, and I kind of just accepted that I'm never going to be the <laughs> homecoming queen or the president or any of that stuff. And I set my standards lower, and then my standards were met. <laughs> <laughs> and then it worked. All right, wait. I got a question for you. Would you be irritated about this? So the daycare that KJ goes to, we got an email over the holiday, and they said um, – okay, we're requiring parents and they claim that they had this policy before COVID, but it's been stopped for like three years. We now are reinstating a policy where the parents have to volunteer 20 hours a year um, at the school, or you have to pay this additional money. Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Your, your face. What? is hanging Yes. Or they basically like $20 an hour times 20. So you can either pay that fee or you have to Aren't volunteer- you Yes, paying already yes. for your kid to go there? Yes. Do you think this is crazy? I said to Schman, I said, we need to email the director of that. This is this is insane. We're we have to work. Like we that work. makes no sense. We're paying you to take care of our kid and you're requiring us to work for you. Yes. Is basically it. Do you is think it a really that's crazy? small school? Is that why they're doing it? Do are they just like really understaffed? Um they they don't seem it. I mean, they seem like they have the adequate amount of staff. There have been some staff changes. We've only been there how long? Four months, maybe. Um, so maybe they're maybe they are really struggling with staff. But I'm like, this is one that I gave a day to, and I was still pissed off. And I was like, we're writing them back. I think that's absurd. We have to. No, work. that's insane. We live in one of the most expensive cities in the world. In Los, do you? Uh, mm. You know, and Dan's like, well, it's in, it's only, you know, when you break it down, because they're probably going to have you do like three hour chunks, you know, it's like five days or something, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's no, that's no. insane to me. I have never heard of we're going to charge you more if you don't come and volunteer yes. your time. I mean, they always ask for, you know, parents to volunteer and I'm a stay at home mom. So I've done the room parent thing and all that stuff because I have the time, you know, I've, I can do it. But that's insane. If you have two parents that are working full time, you now have to take off of work. Thank you. To go and work at the school that you're paying to take care of your kid because you are working. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. I agree with you a wholeheartedly. And the thing is, like, if I like children that much, I'd be working in a fucking school. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't want to be around all these kids. I talk shit for a living. I don't want to like be. 
<laughs> like what? Thank you, Natasha. I am gonna. Okay, this just. I would happened. love to see you volunteering in like the the little pre K classrooms. Uh, Story time with Sarah. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> All right, kids. We're gonna do math. Two margaritas plus two margaritas <laughs> equals how many? A party equals how much of a hangover? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thank you. I think that's ridiculous. My you know what? Maybe that's like, what you should do is just go in to volunteer, be a total train wreck, and then they they excuse you. They never want you back. There's your out. <laughs> and you'll get some good content out of it, I too. totally should. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. No, that's nuts. That's nuts. I, private schools drive me nuts. The, that is really insane. But they're always asking for money, too. I feel like I'm constantly getting emails, you know. Come to the bingo night to donate money as no. for a fundraiser. And I get they have parents and the parents at the girls school are like really aggressive. They will call you and email you like we'd really like your donation. Like, Do you know how much money I have to pay to send my kids to this fancy private school? Why is it not enough? It's almost like the more you pay, the more they ask. It's just, it's yes. so, isn't it? Isn't it why? And you're not the only person. It's funny. I actually think this is a topic for us that we should do this show. I had a woman, and I'm trying to think of how it came up. Anyway, she was discussing her kids go to a private school in Montgomery County, and she said it would be great to do a topic. She didn't say it this way, but we kind of got to this is that it would be great to do a topic around the competitiveness of these private schools. And, you know, I think she's in a similar boat that you are. Like they they have like some family money or they got, some, you know, so they were able to send their kids there. But she said the competitiveness of academics amongst these kids oh and materialism is, she said, it's unbelievable. It is insane. You know, I don't buy the girls a lot of designer stuff because they're teenagers. They don't need it. And I'm lucky that the girls haven't really wanted that. But like for Christmas, Sophie wanted Lululemon. She wanted Lululemon, you know, flared groove pants and defined jacket because that's what all the cool girls wear. They wear Lululemon every single day. That's a $300 outfit for a 12 year old. So it's like I did it for Christmas, but now it made like she wears the same outfit three times a week because it made her feel so good. But I am like, this is ridiculous. And oh, my gosh, applying for high schools, which I'm doing now for Sam. It is like getting into college. It's insane. We have interviews this week where they have to interview not just the child, but they interview the the parents, the family <sighs> to see to say like, what? I mean, it's so crazy. They want to know how do we volunteer in our community. And oh my gosh, one of the schools, I was filling out Sam's application and hopefully they don't listen because <laughs> the part that Sam's supposed to answer herself, I actually wrote for her because she was at school and it was the deadline and I had to get it done. But one of the questions was, what are your guiding principles in life and how do your oh most God. cherished values run your day-to-day -day decisions? Like, she is 14. What are her defining principles in life? Can I just pay you money to teach my kid and that be the end of it? God, that's so fucking crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that nuts? I Well, this is why, like, I – at least to start, I'm like, I'm, my kids are not going to private school. I can't. Like, I, you know, it's just like they're going to public school 
It's why we pay insane amounts of taxes everywhere we all live. I went to public school. I, I loved public school. And I, now I get it at high school. I get, you know, and you guys are, are in this really lucky position. But the, it, I don't know. This is just so crazy. And it's I, insane. I always wonder, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's been any studies. But, you know, you almost wonder, like, I don't know, is it? Is it helpful to the kids? Does it set them up for better things going to private school? Does it hurt them? I don't know. Like, does that – all this competitiveness when they're 16 and 17, it's like, is this good for you? I don't know. I don't know. One of the schools, I was talking with the um, the dean of the school they're in now, asking him – because I'm not from here. I don't know a lot of the schools in the, in the DMV – what schools he thought Sam would be good at because Sam is an introvert and she's shy, but she's also incredibly driven. The kid has never had less than an A on her report card ever. Um, and it almost causes her anxiety. She's so such a perfectionist about her academics. So he, he and I were talking and he was saying one of the schools, I think it was like Potomac Day School, maybe where like the Obama kids went. And he said, you know, that school is a pressure cooker. The kids go to school all day long and then they do five to six hours of homework a night no, that's to crazy. prepare them for college. Like, that's insane. Like, she would die because she would think she had to get straight A's. She would be doing seven hours of homework. Like, they're in high school. This is their last few years to be kids. Why are we doing this to them? Oh so I took God. that school off the list. Good for you. But- Good for you. Then you want them to get into a good college. And it's like, oh, a lot of these kids go on to Ivy League colleges. And now colleges are so competitive and hard to get in. And then the job market after college, if they go to a better college, will she get a better job? It's just I drive myself crazy thinking about, okay, well, maybe if I send her to a great private school, then she'll get into a great college. Then she'll get a great job is the thought process. But I don't know. I'm also a little scared of public school because my mom sent me to the same private school from kindergarten all the way to 12th 12th grade, like a teeny tiny Christian private school, because she said I would end up doing drugs and having sex if I went to public school is what she thought, which (laughs) just waited until I was college then to (laughs) do drugs and have sex. um, So I do have a fear of the unknown because I never went there and... Oh my gosh, are are my kids going to turn into little goth kids that are, you know, smoking pot behind the school and giving hand jobs in, you know, the locker room if I send them to public school? Okay, well, you and I have both been 16 and we know they're doing that at private school and public school and they're doing it every school in America. It's, you know, it's like the great relationship you have with your kids, that open communication that they feel like they don't have to lie to you and that you prepare them to make good decisions. You know, because they're going to be kids that want them to make bad decisions. But I think I, I, my parents always were like, you never get, do not ever get in a car with someone that's drinking and driving. We don't care. Call us. If they're doing drugs, call us. We, you know, like, it, and so then when you see that behavior, you're like, it, that voice sticks in the back of your head. Like, you know, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then, you know, you make good choices. And I mean, that, and they're going to be exposed to kids that their parents have a lot of money, don't care what they do don't care that they do drugs or and they got to be able to go that's not the life I want because those kids it's going to be such a hard road for them no you're so right you're so right and I was talking about this on another episode you know the downside of these private schools that the girls you know we're lucky enough that Peter left us with enough money that I can send them to the best private schools 
But, you know, a lot of the kids are these white elitist, super rich kids. And it's it's a bubble that the girls are in and they're not seeing, you know, all of the different colored skin tones and all of the different, you know, incomes of families. I grew up super poor and I feel like that made me such a better person. And the girls are completely unaware of what life is like outside of their, you know, Montgomery County bubble. So well, they're going to find out too when know. they go to college. They'll be exposed to all kinds of kids of different backgrounds. But I agree with you. I love that about school too. And that's something important to us. Like this year, we're going to start looking like to buy a house in LA. And it's like, I want the kid, I want my kids to go to a school where it's diverse, where there's kids of all different colors. There are rich kids. There are kids that don't have anything because that's the real world. Yes, you know, some kids are born and raised in Beverly Hills and that's it. But I mean, that's such a tiny group of people compared to everybody else in the world, you know. And yeah, I want my kids to have friends of all different colors, you know. It's like, Mm -hmm. so I know what you mean. That's a tough, it's hard. Yeah, man. I started off this saying how confident I was and it's okay to make parenting mistakes. And now (laughs) I'm leaving this episode going, oh my God, I'm going to mess up their lives if I choose wrong. You are not. You will not. You will not. It's the, it's you and Sam, you and Sam are going to feel it. You're going to apply to the school. She's going to get in. You guys are going to go. And it's like, what feels good to both of you? What feels, what looking around at the students, like what's their attitude? Yeah. If the faculty and everybody's attitude is this is we're so elite and we do 18 hours of work a day I'm with you no thanks best of luck to you <laughs> but it I don't want to so do that different for us I never did a lot of homework I did the bare minimum to still get good grades you know, I did maybe if I w- if I was really committed maybe an hour an hour and a half of homework if I had a big test but five to six hours no of homework? that's insane Can you imagine no I no absolutely not I didn't even do I mean maybe when I got college was the hardest uh, college was really yeah. hard I actually had to really study. I also, that was part of, I hated about Mount Holyoke. Too much work. <laughs> you had to actually start like, studying. I want to talk on the radio. I don't want to do this shit. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So speaking of the like upper 3% elitist, um, tell me about what you thought about the Prince Harry book. Well, I, the Royal Life. Spare is out today. I, you know, I don't think I'm going to buy the book because I think he's probably told us everything that's kind of juicy already. Um, mm-hmm. But I did think when I've been watching, the, I watch, I started to watch the Meghan and Harry documentary over the holiday and I've watched the 60 Minutes interview with him. I actually correlated it a little bit to you and I telling our story and the backlash that we got. You know, if people like, why are you still bringing this up? Um, and I really related to him in the 60 Minute interview because of course he still has so many questions surrounding the death of his mom. Like, you know, did the paparazzi cause it? Was the guy drunk on purpose? You know, was how long was she still alive? Like after the, you know, and so I'm just like, I totally related to his, and you know, he's telling all these family secrets, right? From a perspective for years, they put out an image, much like we did on the Kane show, that we're a family. Everything is great. We're besties. Oh my God, we love each other. Everybody's normal. Everyone. And of course, behind the scenes, you know, I mean, it's a different stakes for Harry, but you know, there was like all this other in all this crap going on. And the same thing, like, you know, Prince Harry's talking about the royal family feeding stories against each other. But, you know, we ended up all inner fighting at the cane show. We all ratted out mm-hmm. each other all the time and talk gossiped about each other all the time. And so I 
I related and I thought of us and I thought for Harry, good for you that you're telling your story. I think people are a little over it because I think they've just sort of flooded everybody with, they just did the documentary. He's just dropped a book. There was an announcement, I think two weeks ago, now Megan's writing a book. It's like, I think it's all about timing. And you know what I think you and Mm -hmm. I did and Prince Harry should have consulted us is I think... Our timing was great. Our timing was great coming back together and you telling your story for the first time. And I think it I think you should always speak up for your truth like he's doing, but it's about timing and I think Megan and Harry's timing's a little off. No, I agree with you. You know, I go back and forth. At first I was very team Harry and yeah, I always kind of had a crush on him and I was yeah. so excited for him to get away and for both of them to do like the Oprah interview and and finally tell his truth. But I have to admit, and maybe this is hypocritical of me, because I still talk about my story all the time, but like with the 60 Minutes interview and with the excerpts that we're hearing from the book, I kind of feel like, oh my gosh, stop talking about it. Like you're getting to be a little whiny. When he talks about Diana, anything about the death of Diana, when he talks about his own mental health struggles, keep going, like, you know tell it tell it to the world especially when he talks about mental health because that's helping somebody else but like the juicy gossipy details what well, he said something about that his dad did the other day i can't remember what it was but it's like there's there's no high purpose for this you're not helping somebody else who's in a royal family and you know is is being shamed by their future king of england dad so ugh. It comes across a little whiny to me, a little, I'm over it. How many times are you going to do this? But you know what else? Everybody. grates me and makes me feel that way. People are feeling that. Is that then they ask him, have you spoken to your dad recently? Would you like to repair the relationship with them? And he always goes, I I miss my brother and my father. I, I would love to repair that. And the door is always open. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen when you keep putting out the juicy details of your family's life, who you know hates that you're doing this. I mean, do you think that's going to mend fences and then they're going to call you and go, yeah, let's let's hang out. Let's have a chat so you can put it in your next book. I, that's the part that grates on me. Like, it, you know, you got to expect the negativity that you're going to you're going to piss some people off if you talk about it. That's why I, I mean, feel we like piss some people off. <laughs> Yeah, we're still pissing people off that we're together. Um, Yeah, and you know, but for me, like, you know, one of the things is obviously like I had a um, a non-disclosure agreement when Kane and I exited. So, and of course, Kane was still alive. So we know like if I had said anything in my life, oh my God, he would have hounded me. It would have been awful. So I had this like grace period of years of like being angry, still in therapy, like mourning it. All those things. And then so I think when I finally could tell the story, start to tell the story, it gave it enough time. And I, I'm i with you. I think that's the part that's very confusing about what Heget, Mary, Megan and Harry are trying to do. Are they trying to really repair it? Because if they were, then you'd move here to the United States and you'd probably give it a year or two where you're calling, like we said, picking up the phone, calling mm-hmm. them, going there, trying to repair it. Maybe it's not repairable and maybe like he seems to think they don't unless you play their game they don't want you in and that very well me might be it but it's Mm -hmm. just been so like 
You're right. Here are all the details. My brother and I were really never close. My brother told me in high school he didn't want to hang out with me. Okay. Well, as the older sibling, and I have a younger sibling, and my brother and I are like the same age as as Will and Harry. Mm -hmm. In high school, I said the same thing to my brother. I didn't want my brother hanging out with me. You're in high school. It's like, you know, that's, yes, that's older sibling, younger sibling. You know, does Sam and Soph like to hang out together? In school? Oh my gosh, they're best friends, worst enemies. But no, they absolutely, like Sam will be like, no, don't talk to my friends. Don't hang out with my friends. They're my class and my friends. You're a seventh grader. But you know, and and maybe this is a little like soapbox or preachy of me, but I feel like with with you and I, one, it's like we, we had this period where we couldn't speak. You know, I couldn't say anything either because he would take the girls away from me. He he did sue me for the speaking out when he was still alive. So we couldn't say anything. And then, you know, he passed away and we waited a full year before coming out and doing, you know, our interview. And, and we did it in that. And then it was kind of done in a sense of like telling all the juicy stuff, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff about the show, the stories that Yes, I I wanted to tell because they really happened to me, but maybe they don't, you know, necessarily save somebody else's life. Like we did that and that's done. When we continue to talk about it, I think I speak for both of us when I say we try to always put it through the lens of, is this going to help someone else? You know, like when Harry talks about his mental health struggles, that really helps other people that are going through the same thing. When you or I speak about what happened to us, when I speak about the abuse that I went through, that helps another woman who's going through it. But listen, I have a million juicy, juicy cane show stories that I could get a lot of um, a lot of attention for telling. I could get uh, probably a lot more followers for a short amount of time if I start spilling all the gossip. But what good does that do? What good does that do anybody? And maybe it makes me feel good for a minute to finally get revenge. But um, there's no like higher purpose for that. So I kind of feel like he's he's doing that a bit. Like he told the story about when he got in the fight with his brother and his yeah. brother, you know, like physically shoved him or something. <laughs> it's like, what? why? Why do you need to say that if you're trying to repair the relationship with your brother? Also, I think what bothers me about this this whole interview and I think – I, I, you know, look, you, you've been in therapy a long time. You've done the work in AA. When you, when you're in therapy and you, and you, people react to the way William is re, like re, reacting about Megan. I'm sure there's a sense of fear that he was going to lose his brother, which is exactly what has happened. You know, I think because Americans are outsiders to British, you know, especially British royals. You know, I'm sure that, that she was such a threat in being a you know, mixed race woman and an actress from the United States. And she's got her a own divorce. Divorce. You know, I like to me, I think that's what's lacking is like, I get that, you know, Camilla leaks all these or, you know, all these. This is like the game that they play. Right. But yeah. I think under that, it's like the saddest part is what you hate to see is two brothers against themselves, because I think William probably feared like this woman is going to take him away. And that's exactly what happened. And Instead of trying, instead of like trying to have a therapy session, although I guess Prince Harry says that they've tried to reach out, I but mean, I that don't know. is sad. I love everything about the royal family. I watch, I watch every season of The Crown. I watch every documentary about Diana that I can find. I'm reading her book right now. 
um, you know, that one interview that she gave in the book that came out and kind of um, started the everything um, going public about about Camilla and the marriage and everything. So it just it makes me so sad to think about how sad she would be to see that her two boys that she gave everything for that she loved more than anything are are so separated and have almost no relationship really yeah. anymore and and I don't know if it'll be fixed and I wonder if they think about that I wonder if they, they if they ever think about this would really make my mom sad maybe that's a bigger priority than putting out another book doing another interview or for for William maybe that's a bigger priority than you know that that this is not the way of how it's done in, in the British royal family, the etiquette of it. And he could reach out to his brother because that's what their mom would want. And and I love Diana. I just, I adore her and everything about her. So that part makes me sad. I know. Oh my God. She was like class act. I mean, like no mm -hmm. other. I know. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch, but I think people have hit their hit their tipping point of like I think they were all in and supporting Meghan and Harry, and then I think you're seeing like serious, yeah. you know, backlash. And she wave. just annoys me. She grates on me. Megan does. A lot of people feel that I feel way. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's a little it's a, it's a little fake. It's a little surfacey with her. Maybe I'm just jealous though, because she met Harry before I did. <laughs> no, it's it's something I know. It's a little. I know, I because she she it's a little disingenuine, right? Yeah, there's something there because I watched the documentary. I only got through like four episodes. It was so boring. The first three were just so boring. It was all the same stuff that they talked about on Oprah. Nothing really new. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, there's something like um, I think because maybe she's an actress, so like you're used to like being somebody else. I don't know. It's hard to I think. <sighs> Yeah, there's something like a little put on, I guess. You know, there's not yeah. a sense of like, I don't know. You feel like, I kind of thought she'd be more of like this girl that you kind of could sit and have a yeah. drink with. Or, well, like know, when Harry doesn't... speaks, you know, you just feel like it's really coming from his heart. It's unfiltered. And with her, it just seems a little more staged-ish. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, if, if she comes out with a book, I think people will revolt. They will be so over it if she does it too. Let's see when her book. I, I'm sure. I'm sure they're pushing back. It is. Is she having a book? Is that is that a real thing? Let's look. Um, there was a story. Megan. I Markle. did feel for her when everything about her dad was coming out. That was. That was pretty shitty, and and then I felt for her, and even like the wedding and stuff. I still, I still was Team Megan, probably also because she was a divorcee, and here she was getting to be a princess. But then I don't know, maybe around the Oprah interview, I started to be like, "You're a little preachy. You seem a, a little unappreciative of what you've fallen into." I, you know, the part I've always said that I don't buy about their story is this thing where, um, you know, they they kind of thought like she'd be accepted and the the press would like love her. And I'm like, guys, come on. I mean, 
you know, this is an American Mary. Like Kate, the thing that works about Kate Middleton, I always say, is like you look at the way Kate Middleton dresses, acts. Kate Middleton was groomed to to do this since she was ten years old. You know, and she to me, she dresses so plain because then the clothes don't bring attention. Nothing brings attention. All the focus is on him and the being. A, you know, being royal and bring, being prim and proper, right? That's like, that's the reality of what they are. So I just don't believe like Meghan and Harry where they're like, they thought they were going to like come in and everybody was going to love her. And no, they don't like Americans. They want you to be bred in this like royal, you know, way. And you're, you know, you're a little bit behind your man. And it's just like, I just, that's the part that they're like, I, I'm like, all right, guys, come on. Nobody believes Maybe this plan shit. And the whole thing. I know. I'm trying to look at you one know, in her book. He was kind of fed up with the royal family already. So maybe they plotted out this whole elaborate ruse. All right. Let me look. I can't find it, but there was a whole thing on her release date. Um, but yeah, she's going to have a book too. Meghan Markle to release her own bombshell memoir after Harry's spare. Um, uh. According to the Mail, the Duchess of Sussex said to be contemplating getting entirely candid about her time in the royal limelight and leaving no stone unturned. Uh, I would find it surprising surprising if Meghan didn't publish her own story, to be honest. Um, well, let's see. But that doesn't say that she's definitely getting a book deal or she has a book What deal. else is she going to say? What, what other bombshells is she going to drop that they haven't dropped already? Because I'm with you. When I tried watching the documentary – like the the newest one of the two of them, it was it was so boring. And I love everything royal. And it was just like, okay, I know. enough. I know. Um, oh, my God. I cannot believe it's taking me this long. Sorry. Uh, I, I Okay, so it sounds like maybe she's floating the idea as the world. If it's anything like her podcast, then – Maybe I'll read it to go to sleep at night. Sounds it's like she was looking pretty into dull. a similar deal. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when she's listening to our podcast, Megan, take some advice here. Say no. Yeah, and come be on our show. We'll be on, Um, what is it? Um, <laughs> is it Archwell or something? What's her, What's hers? You know, we'd love to be, uh, love to be on. We're happy to give you our advice, what's worked and what hasn't. Not that you don't have a bunch of A-list advice from Oprah. Um, all right, yeah. Natasha, where do people follow you? You can follow me on at Miss Pink Monster on Instagram, at Miss Pink Monster, and that's M-S Pink Monster on TikTok, which, oh my gosh, Sarah, TikTok. I'm trying so hard to figure it out because Instagram drives me nuts. I hate Instagram. Oh, my gosh. The girls have me now, like, searching trending audios and then, like, trying to redo the funny videos. I just – TikTok makes me feel old and like a fool. But if you want to see me look like a fool trying out the new TikTok trends, like these teenagers in my house, then go check out my TikTok. I think I have, like, 30 followers, so would love to have you. Um, and then on YouTube, um, youtube.com, it's um, at like the at symbol Ms. Pink Monster. And that's where you can find all of the podcasts, our previous podcasts with our beautiful faces. And also all the old videos um, that the girls and I used to put up when they were little. And we used to do YouTube before Instagram and everything. Those are all still on there, too. Love. They're pretty funny. All right, guys. At the Sarah Fraser Show, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.